Welcome to Coop Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper, and remember, I'm only as hip as my guest. Now, to tell you people, I've been I've been tired this whole week because the lovely Joanne's uh, mom and stepdad came to visit, and she said, because they're older, we'll give her our room. Okay, so now we're stuck in the guest room that has a day bed, a little metal bar against it, and I think it's like a, a single or a single and a half or a double, but it's so damn uncomfortable. I feel like I'm in college again, but the best part is the sheets, and this is no lie. We got these crappy thread count sheets sheets at uh at anna's anna's linens and because we said you know we're not sleeping in there you know people guests you know they come over they used to crash one night so we get them and they're so comfortable i noticed that the first time joanne came to, to visit i wanted to impress her so i bought a thousand thread count sheets okay because i wanted to be like you know I, I had those crappy single guy sheets and so i sat there and i'm sitting there going it's unbelievable but these sheets that cost me like 19 dollars at anna's linens are so much more comfortable than sheets that are like a thousand thread count from Macy's, which were at half price and a half price, they were still like 175 bucks. So if you're going to get sheets, feel them, get the flannel sheet, get the crappier thread count sheet, because you know what? You're not going to tell the difference. Anyway, we have a uh, great show today. Uh, I was very surprised when I got a tweet from uh, my guest today. I was sitting there and she said, hey, you want me to be on your show? And she responded to him. I guess it's Beth Littleford. How you doing, Beth? I'm good. I'm good. I have stuff to say about the thread counts. Tell me, because... I got, I ordered a thousand thread count sheet off like an off price, you know, internet site. Um, they're cardboard. They mm-hmm. are cardboard. I got my son some cheap sheets for camp that are like the t-shirt ones, infinitely more comfortable. Yeah, I was, I was amazed because I was sitting there going, you know, and then these ones, I think they, they ripped after like three years, the thousand. And I'm thinking, I mean, I'm Mine used to just still hard as a board. Isn't that crazy? You think, you think they'd be like soft and you know, actually this is, and people, you can do this too. If you go to Groupon. They always have these sheets on sale. What Groupon? I never knew. And, I've done some waxing on Groupon oh, and some facials, yeah, yeah. but <laughs> they have they have sheets, and I actually we got a I I, I got like an eight hundred count sheet for like forty bucks. I love it. And you, you can get to... apparently you can get anything on Groupon. I'll have okay. to do further research. Are you are you a big Groupon person? I did just get a facial off Groupon, yeah. and they and and I let I let it slip that this was my second visit, and they were like, um, they looked very stern all of a sudden. They said. This was from first-time members only, first-time uh, uh, clients only. See, and I was like, oh, I didn't realize. It looked like a different place. I didn't recognize the font or the address or the name. You know, I had to sort of scramble. I think part of me knew I was actually a, a second-time client. Well, I'm like, you know, what's the big deal? I mean, you want regulars. I mean, they always say, yeah. treat your regulars better. So if you sit there and a Groupon, I mean, first of all, they know- Still wasn't cheap, my facial, by the way. Right. So you, you're paying and you're The going initial in. price was inflated, I believe, so that the Groupon price would be a regular price. Well, there's, if, I don't know where you live, but I live in Burbank. And if you're ever in the Valley and you see Groupon for a restaurant called La Bamba, it's on Glen Oaks. It's this little Mexican Cuban place. Yeah. It's in the middle of a neighborhood. Like you Love would not it. think they're okay. so good. And the oh, Groupon's like, it's like 20 bucks for 40 and then you're, you're covered for dinner. You know, I miss Cuban because I'm from Florida and you don't get Cuban out here. You get yeah. Mexican, but not Cuban. Yeah, it's true. Well, no, there's a few places like there's uh, Mambo's Cafe in Burbank and there's okay. Versailles. Versailles. I keep forgetting about Versailles, but a lot of people, which is a chain. A lot but of it's people don't like Versailles. I mean, I've heard weird things. It's it's it, You know what it is? It turned into a chain. So like most chains, the, initials, the initial one, I guess, from Miami was delicious. It was good, and I think, in the early years. And now I think it's up and down. Now you Inconsistent. Said, you said you grew up in Florida. I did. And now uh, your mother was a professor. Is that true? You know what? She was a, she spent time as a professor in her later life. Okay. She was mostly a homemaker who went back when we got older and uh, got a degree, but got your, an advanced degree. Your father was a cardiologist. He was a cardiologist. Which I go to. I have a very good cardiologist. So you, Okay. Go. But not an inventor too? Yeah. He died when I was, he and my brother died when I was very young. Okay. We don't m- maybe want to get into tragedy. Oh, no, no. I didn't know because I'm trying to figure out how you ended up going to this in this performance arts field because it well, seems like such a different like, it is it absolutely is and i went to a college that that was so academic it was tiny swarthmore i don't know if anyone's heard of it in uh, pennsylvania it yeah i grew up in cherry hill new jersey probably oh there you go you're right there yeah, okay right. so swarthmore tiny very intensely academic school um you know they, there's one play a year put on so i was going for a you know a ba when i probably should have gone for a bfa not that either made a difference not that i would have used either in my life but uh you know a hundred thousand dollars later you have a degree but what i did was ultimately go up to new york city for a summer and stayed for 11 years i was just like these are my people and this is what i want to do and i toiled for years in black box theaters with you know begging friends and family to come see us but i found my way into sketch and improv 
And then I was like, okay, this is really where I belong. Not doing Brecht and Shakespeare, but now, rather. Did, did you always want to act as a kid even? Yes. Or, I mean, so it yes, just, always. It, it got to you as a kid. Yeah. And, and how do you pick Swathmore? I mean, you, you were living in Florida. You're going to, it's cold. You know what? And I hate, and I hated it. And I, and it, honestly, New York was hard too, because I realized that not only was I raised in the sun and the heat and love the sun and the heat, but I think I have seasonal affective disorder. I think I have sad, which is really what gets people down when fall hits. When fall hits in New York City, some people love it and some people get blue and, you know, you leave your office and it's dark and some people get really too bad. And that got me down. So by the time 11 years had passed, I was like, not another winter. And I, that just at that point, I got moved out here by Spin City. And I uh, loved being here for 15 years. So you said you were toiling around, toiling around in New York. Yeah, with, with you know, making no money. Uh, you know, to do, I got my SAG card doing an industrial. You know, there was a CD-ROM I did. Um, does anyone even know what those are anymore? You know what's funny? I was something on Jeopardy the other day, and the answer was floppy disk. Oh, and I was just thinking, like, you have to be you know, forty. When I was in when I was in college, it was like computers were just becoming big. And I remember my mom had like one of the old apples. I mean, that disgusting dot matrix printer yeah. that would take forever and just go. Oh, and I would hear it because when I'd come home from college, I would stay in my room that was now converted to her office slash junk room. And I would sit there and she would print something just here. And you'd be yes. like, how long is this taking? It's like two pages. Oh it's God. taking a few hours. Oh, God. So, yeah. so, so you got the industrial for the CD ROM, but you got your SAG card. I got my SAG card, which is that huge moment. I just met someone watching the lunar eclipse in my neighborhood who had just gotten one line sort of accidentally. You know, he was a background actor. He'd gotten his one line saying, can I get you a drink? He was a bartender. And that made him eligible to get his SAG after card. And it's a huge moment in an actor's life. Because you nobody wants to hire you for a union job if you're not union. Right. So it's a huge moment in actor's life, and um, and I did, you know, and then there was this, there was this period where I was like, you know what, I've got to go for it. I spent a lot of time waffling back and forth between like, I had a friend actually who called me Beth the actress, and at some point I was like, stop calling me Beth the actress. I'm not, I forget it. It's not working. I, it's too hard. I'm not making money. And so he called me Beth, the former actress. And then I started acting again. He called me Beth, the former, former actress. So I just spent a lot of time wrestling. And by the way, I still do wrestle with this idea of like, should I stay in this business that is brutal? Well, it is It is so frustrating. And for me, it's also because I talked to so many actors on the show that have all had series like yourself and have all been successful for a long time. But they still go through the thing. They go, wait a second. The business is changing. It's not yes. like, you know, hey, I'm a guest star on this like as Willie uh, Willie La uh, Garson was on, he said oh, yeah. the shows that he does were like where he's getting the guest star and he's a big name. Yeah. It used to be like someone like him 15 years ago could get the guest star. So it's really changed where they don't, you have to almost have a face recognition to get a guest star in a series, which has changed and there's not as many guest stars And you're as usual. still, yeah, and you're still auditioning against fantastic women who've had their own series and... Uh, you know, you're basically the leads are all played by movie stars now. Right. I mean, television is such a fantastic landscape uh, that, you know, movies, not so much these days. It feels like really the quality is in the television. And maybe I say that because I do mostly television. So I've got something to prove. But it also it has kicked those those of us who are journeyman actors. You know, it feels like the Regan Burns and the and the and the Willie Gar, you know, and it feels like those of us who just sort of make our living as character actors, mostly with the occasional sort of star in a series. Um, we have to fight harder just to get, yeah, just to get a little guest star. But or... but the one good thing about it also is though the the parts the people first of all the people you're going up against for an audition yeah. you know they're good. Yes. And the same people the people you went up against 20 years ago there's probably 50 times more. And right. Now it's, it's we've like, weeded out. And so a you lot. sit there and you know each other. So it's probably not yes. like the oh, screw screw up. No, you know, I have to I, say I went out for a commercial the other day with a lot of young women. I don't know why there was a lot of young beautiful women there. And there was a, it was a cat fight sort of vibe in the air. Like, I was like, oh, is there, are there any sides left for this? Any of the, you know, the, the, like, what, what's the copy for the, can I look at? And people just like grabbed theirs close to themselves. So it's, I wouldn't get a chance to look at the copy before I went in for the audition, you know, because for commercials, they don't show you ahead of time what right. lines you're supposed you to just do. just go in and they go, hey, And you're going, yeah. So, but generally when you go and sign in, there's a stack of papers that you can look at the lines. Well, no one was going to let me look at the lines. It was really an interest. And I was like, because they're young. They're young. They're desperate. They don't know that they're not going to survive with this kind of like, that kind of, you know, really competitive nastiness. Well, I mean, I used to do stand-up comedy in Philadelphia. And we all, you know, 
we had a camaraderie. We had we got pissed yes. if someone got a booking. We were young, but there was two clubs, you know, the Comedy Factory Outlet and the Comedy Works. And uh-huh. we would go back and forth and, you know, some of us could play both. Some of us just, you know, but the same thing, though, but we always supported each other. And we, we would sit to. there and we'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to blow this guy off the stage, you know, because that's what I'm going to do because mm-hmm. I don't want to be an MC. I want to be a feature. Right. And but after it'd be like if they could blow you off stage, it means you're slipping and you have to pick up your game. So we had that. Not right. that catty, it's a camaraderie. And I, I don't right. see it out here for like a lot of the younger actors. No. And I mean, also, you know, that might be a sort of a male competition thing where you guys are like, okay, I'm up in my game because we're, we're, we're in competition. It feels like, you know, I don't know if that's a man, woman thing, but I, it, it does feel like the younger actors, or at least let me just say this, the older actors, we've been through so much. It's just like, hey, when can we retire? You know, you just see each other and you're like, how are the kids? You know, you you know each other. You've been through so much. There's no there's no time or energy or, you know, it's, it does no good to sort of try to, like, keep the lines away from someone else, which was so shocking to me when that happened. It's crazy. It's, no, you said you, you came out here for Spin City. So you came out here for Spin City. But, you want me to back up? Yeah, now, there was a daily show before the Spin City? The daily show before Spin City. So what's interesting is that, I, you know, I found my way into sketch and improv. I was like, this is what I need to do. And at some point, I was like, I got to push. Nobody's going to discover me. There's a million actors in this town trying to make a living. You know, almost nobody is. Um, so we did a, so I formed a sketch group. And we showcased, boy, we just showcased every Sunday night we would get up. Before an improv show that we'd all sort of, an improv jam we'd all sort of do. And we'd do two sketches and we'd see how they'd go and we'd perfect them and work them. And uh, so we ultimately put our own money together, pooled our resources, did a, a, ske- a full length sketch show, got one manager there who happened to be an amazing manager from Three Arts, a guy who, you know, had at the time Louis C.K., Mark Marin, you know, David Tell, um, Chris Rock. You know, a lot of these guys were writing for Chris Rock at right. the time. All they the weren't head, yeah. huge. That, but all those, you know, Louis C.K. wrote for Chris Rock for years. Um, amazing, at that point, new, Greg Fitzsimmons. Not new, but not household names. Right. Um, so, he, and he called me afterwards. And he's like, I'm interested in what you can, you know, in meeting with you and what you can do. And he said, but you got to do a one-woman show to get some heat on you. And in the meanwhile, I was like, a manager that sounds fishy like i didn't even know i was so new i was like i know what agents are but yeah, what's a manager? that's so funny because people say that sometimes they go what's the difference between an agent and a manager and i always sometimes laugh when someone has a manager and i go well why do you have a manager oh, when you know but, but you're just was, giving more money but away. with tri arts i mean they're they're big three arts. Was, they were three huge arts. which i didn't realize at the time and he was like at that time he was like we have winona writer and keanu reeves you know and he listed all, i was like oh speed you know so i mean it was a, it was a while ago this was the 90s so the I did. I sure enough, I booked an ad in the Village Voice, which was our, you know, downtown kind of paper of choice before I'd even written the one woman show. I booked the space. Then I wrote the show. So I for I was up against the wall. I had to write the one woman show. I did it. Dave Becky got there. He got an agent from Gersh there. And uh, and then they had me. Oh, and then it got picked up. We got one person. We sent it out to a bunch of theaters, sort of off-Broadway theaters. And some one person showed up. This is all just luck. One person showed up from Circle Rep, which was this fantastic, venerable, old, off-Broadway institution. Now, of course, long shut down. But um, And they said, we're looking for late night shows we're going to put you on after olympia dukakis and whatever and they do their thing right. at eight o'clock we're going to put you on at 10 30 or 11 and then the last night of the extended run somebody from comedy central came and they were casting out a net for a sports center type infotainment show craig kilborn was going to be the host this was 1996 and they were trying basically every comedian in town every member of a sketch group in town those guys from the state who later did Viva Variety, who later did 911, uh, Reno 911, you know, really just trying out everybody, Joy Behar, Caroline Ray, just trying everybody um, to see what would work. And they decided that a lot of the sketched stuff wasn't working. They wanted real news pieces just with this kind of the, the parody and the, and, the, and the irony and the sarcastic bent. But you, we really had to go out in the field and really interview these folks. I really interviewed David Duke, who was the, you know, Grand right. Wizard of the Ku Klux Klan, and then a Louisiana senator. Know, you know, I know it's crazy. <laughs> crazy. But uh, you know, I was really interviewing Jocelyn Elders about masturbation. Uh, Kato Kalin, I was really interviewing these people. So uh, that's what made the, set the Daily Show apart from other sort of like pretend news shows or sketch shows. Um, and again, I just feel like I was lucky. Like I. 
I, I looked the part or I fit the part. I don't even like the news, but I was able to somehow channel the, everyone's inner Barbara Walters or everyone's inner news lady, you know, and I got the helmet hair eventually. Initially, I started with a little mushroom cap, little little Lord Fauntleroy hair. But, um, you know, ultimately, I grew into this part of this newswoman. Uh, and so I was there for the first four years. I think I focus grouped well. I think that was, you know, there was luck involved in that. Um, and so, you know, and kind of the rest is history. We started off in a tiny little space in the public television building in New York City with no audience. And like, you know, you can see the, the electrical outlet behind Craig Kilborn. You know, there's no, it's just like you can hear the snickers of the camera guys. You know, soon enough, then we got an audience. And then ultimately, we moved when John Stewart came at the beginning of 1999. It got much bigger, you know, and then kind of the rest is history. But um, I remember the media noticing us right away and the Peabody people sniffing around and kind of like, what are you guys doing? You know, there was that. But we were very, we, we were so unknown. Nobody knew Comedy Central. It was right before South Park. Right. And that, that back then, at first it was originally called the Comedy Channel, I think. They ha the, and the Comedy ha, Channel yeah. joined to become Comedy Central. One was owned by HBO. One was owned by whatever. There's Viacom. There was, you know, MTV they were, maybe. I don't know yeah, they were owned yeah. by rival, you know, uh, media conglomerate. And uh, they joined and became Comedy Central. And the only original thing they had was Bill Maher's Politically Incorrect, which was then moving to ABC. And we took over the spot. So that must, I mean, when you look back now, you know, because it was such a big thing with the transition now with John Daly. I mean, John, John, Stewart. John Stewart leaving in a, Noah taking over. Yeah, and I haven't it, watched. It, it the new. Be, it, last night I heard was good, and they got Roy Wood, who's a great guy. He's one of the commentators. It must be really weird because you sit there, you know, and you you remember when I just, I mean, whenever you're a part of something in its infancy, yeah, you never know if it's going to become like this phenomenon. I mean, a joke. Oh, John Stewart. In a was, million years, you don't know yeah. because you you can have big stars and big budgets and a 13 episode guarantee and. It all goes away. Now, what did you leave that? Did you want to leave? Did they have a I was ready to leave. So, I was ready to leave. I so I had done it for four years. I was tired. At that point it still it wasn't union. The money was not great. There was a lot of flying around. There's a lot of run and gun. You know, there's a twenty four hour trip out to the you know, out here to California and flying back to then get in the studio and so you really were you had a newswoman schedule in terms of getting out into the field and c- cutting the piece and getting back. And um, in my in the last, let's say, in more of the John Stewart era, I did a lot more in the studio with the writers writing for me, which was a total cushy job compared to what I was doing in the early years, which was running and gunning and all over the country. And, you know, in the farmland and the swamp and, the, you know, I was everywhere. What I got as I became the sort of the senior correspondent and could do what I wanted, what I got was the writers writing for me and I would parody, you know, E.T. or I would, you know, do my little like new weather newswoman or I would just parody the in-studio gals. Um, and, you know, and that's what I love. I actually love to do the, the more written sketchy stuff. And I didn't love the, what happened was, I so I did these Barbara Walter parodies where I had to go out and, you know, do my Barbara Walter, but the envelope got pushed farther and farther. People remember David Cassidy piece where I asked him the most obnoxious questions. Now, no one probably deserves it as much as David Cassidy, but I mean, he threatened to walk away. You know, I've got a stomach ache. I've got knots in my stomach. I'm in a cold sweat, you know, because it was so hard to ask these questions. I'm like a nice gal. Right. You know, I'm a nice, I don't want to, I don't want to rip someone a new one. Um, but they, that was what was kind of required and the envelope kept, you know, kept having to be pushed. So it was nicer to just go into the studio and make fun of celebrities. That's always the best. N- not to their face, you know. Because it is, that's the thing. It's also, it's like, because you want to be nice. And, and also, we, and especially back then, it was before the, the blow up in social media. Yes. But I mean, the thing is now, you know, it's, you want to be nice to these people because they go through so much crap. You know, you oh, see yeah. some of the Twitter stuff people get. You just go, oh, God, you got to be joking me. You just call this, you know, I mean, it's sometimes it's, and it's like these trolls, you know, they've, they've done nothing and they come out and they'll just trash someone. And it's like, you know, I make fun of people. I'll be satirical. I, you know, yeah. I'm not, you know, but some people are just mean. And when you're interviewing people, you also have to think, well, I'm pretty popular right now. What happens if I move to LA, I become a star, then someone comes and is mean to me? Well, can I just tell you, there is regularly comments because I've got, I started working the social media because there's so many young fans of this show I've been doing on the Disney Channel. So people are like, take advantage of the social media presence. These, the kids coming up, they're the ones who are, who are on these sites. And, you know, 
So take advantage. So I started doing, I find it exhausting, but I'm tweeting, I'm Instagramming, I'm Facebooking. You know, we have a lot of international fans through the Disney Channel. A lot of love. Also people who are saying, ugly, old, you're a joke. You know, you know, loser. I mean, you just have people posting the meanest shit. I know, and it's like, where where does that come from? I mean, sit there, I mean, I know, like, let's say you get into an argument with someone. And you may say something mean to them, you know, if it's someone, you know, you know, if they right. piss you off, it's something that happens. Right. But for that, it's like, they don't know you. And it's like, okay, oh, it's you're, just, you're on a, a kid, you're on a Disney. I mean, you know, the last people you think that you would get trolled yeah. from are people who are watching, watching the Disney the, channel. Yeah, I mean, that's and just, a talking dog show. Exactly. I, <laughs> but I mean, even when I remember doing it, when I was doing the SMTV show called the hard times of RJ Berger, and I would go, I would, you know, show up on the red carpet of the, of the VMAs. And I made the mistake of looking at the comment section. You just should never look at the yeah. comment section. You just can't. People are going to mostly, not mostly, that's not true. A lot of people will be critical. That's crazy. The R.J. Berger show was funny. It's a Larry Poindexter, wasn't it? Oh, yes, he was. He's my husband. Yeah, he's been on the show a few times. He's, he's a funny guy. He is. So now, so you, you're, you're tired. Not, you're, you're, you're thinking it's time for you to move on. Time for me to move on. I'm t- I'm t- literally, I am tired. And, I'm, and I'm, I've been in New York 11 years. The love affair has worn off. Uh, the 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 lack of space, the lack of outdoor space, the cold is killing me. The winters are killing me, so I move out here. Now, is this when you make it? Say in your mind, you're gonna make a transition to really pursue the acting more because it seems like being a correspondent, you really can't flex your acting. Yeah, and jobs. I always have been. I mean, if anyone out there has watched uh, Dog with a Blog, you'll know that I I feel like I'm more of a vaudevillian. I'm more of a sort of a a, a sitcommy gal. Then I am a deadpan. You know, I can certainly do the deadpan. I can certainly do the dry. And I do love it. But it's it has been a lot of fun for the last three years to do Dog with a Blog because I feel like I do kind of what's more naturally in me, which is hammy, sitcommy stuff. So, so now, okay, so we wanted to do sitcoms. Now you said Spin City. Mm-hmm. Were you cast for Spin City already or did you I had been come recurring. Out? I had been okay. recurring for two years and sort of splitting you're not splitting my time because I would go, you know, every month or two, I'd go on Spin City as a guest star. So I was a guest star that recurred and then was made a cast member. But then ultimately that didn't last. And it was kind of like the Daily Show show won its first Peabody right after I left and won its first Emmy right after I left. And then, you know, went on its whatever decade long stint of winning Emmys. And I was like, oh, but here's the thing. I was actually asked recently on a podcast about regrets. It's called Regrets Only with Tess Rafferty. I don't know if you know her. Like so they 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 pinned me to the wall about it. They said, "So do you regret leaving the Daily Show?" And I was like, "No, I don't." Like I had to just take the moment and go, "No, I came out here. I'm really happy out here. I've had a nice life out here. I have like a lovely little house. I have outdoor space. I have a pool. I, you know, I have two kids who you know." run around in the yard. It's really a nice life. And I don't, I, I don't think I could have had a family in Manhattan. Well, it's hard. I mean, it's like, it's my, a hard it's town. My brother and my niece, my, his, my brother's wife passed a few years ago I'm and sorry. they live, they live in Manhattan and she goes to school in Manhattan. She goes to Marymount. And, oh, great. but they also years ago, him and his wife, uh, bought a, a, a farm out in, like up in the Catskills. Just to escape. Yeah, right? and it's so funny because, you know, he's in the city during the week and then he goes up and he tells me how, it, you know, this is the best way to kill a chicken, you know, and because then he brings like chicken back to like the guy who owns a coffee oh. shop who also and he trades like, they go, oh, do you want to, can you get he's some like fresh chicken? He's like living both sides of Green Acres. Yeah, it's just crazy. It's, so he goes back and I'm like, what the, and I see, I'm like, he's like, yeah, we got this and I got uh, the, the, the guineas, the little hens or guinea hens and, and oh, I'm like, yeah. I'm like, are you, are you crazy? But he loves it up there. But the same thing, but they can get away and it's different, you know. And- no, and I, I d- didn't get away. And, I, and you know, to fight your way out to the Hamptons or to the beaches in the summer was brutal. I mean, I actually liked the summers in New York because they emptied out. So you could just, you know, you'd, get, you'd, you'd wander around, you'd be hot, but you'd wander around the city, be much more empty. I, I really, you know, I, I, lo- I mean, I love a lot of things about the city. And certainly coming from a small conservative Florida town and then winding up in New York City, I was like, Oh, I can let my freak flag fly. You know, this is really a city where, you know, anything goes. And if you make it there, you make it anywhere. The 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 song is true. The cliche is true. So it was a great it was a great eleven years. So you and you move so you move out here and it's great. So you're doing the recurring on Spin City, but now do you feel like you're starting over somewhat because I you, completely started okay, over. Okay, because once again you're going into more of the acting. 
And also I have to tell you, because people out here, when I came out here, I, I guest hosted Talk Soup maybe 10 times. More people knew me from that than from my four years on The Daily Show. Really? The media in New York City loved The Daily Show. Out here, they were just barely starting to notice. They were just starting to notice it. Um, even that manager I told you, he said to me the first entire year or two of The Daily Show, like, we got to get you on MTV. Nobody watches Comedy Central. And he was like, oh, yeah, I heard you did this thing on, on Comedy Central where you where you uh, jacked off a pig. Am I allowed to say that? Yeah. <laughs> like, that was my that was my my final episode. They re-aired that. It's called Swine Song. People can look that up on uh, on Comedy Central or DailyShow.com. But uh, he's like, I heard you. Do, but he never watched the show. People in the industry were not watching the show. I remember doing, uh, yeah, a, a guest spot for a pilot and. They were like, we loved you on Talk Soup. You know, a lot of people, and I was like, Talk Soup, I was just a guest host a couple of times. What about the four years of toiling right. on 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 The Daily Show? No. So that completely changed. So it did feel like, um, you know, because when I, you know, Colbert came on a year in, in Carell came on three years in, uh, and those guys, and Carell, we did a series of, commercials where he wasn't even it's not that he wasn't allowed to speak he didn't even speak so those guys busted out a couple years later like there was a lot of busting out a couple years later but um people weren't really watching it uh, in terms of the i guess the movers and shakers in hollywood so i did feel like i had to start over a little bit and um although i yeah i did i did what was it like going to auditions? Because once again, you were used to being, as you say, pretty much a news person. And then when they were right for you, now you have to go out to audition for something that you really haven't been involved with. For- yeah, except for that I'm a trained actress. So, it, but it, it it was interesting that a, a lot of the jobs I was getting initially were because as a, you know, they're going to pigeonhole you, however. So I did like I did a movie called Mystery Alaska where I was a newswoman and it was a fun movie. It should it was one of Russell Crowe's first. It should have been a bigger David E. Kelly. Yeah, David E. Kelly, and then Jay Roach, who did all the Austin Powers stuff and the Meet the Fokker stuff, he directed and had an incredible cast. Um, uh, it was Burt Reynolds coming right off of the um, Boogie Nights. Boogie Nights, and oh, it was an incredible cast. It was a hockey movie, and I got to do a really fun part where I was a sort of obnoxious newswoman. Um, didn't wasn't a huge movie. Didn't got shelved. Didn't came out at the wrong time. Whatever. But I I got typecast a little bit in those parts, and then I got typecast a little bit in the um, up up tidy whitey lady. Um, but then I swing from that to, and I've done that. It recurred on Desperate Housewives as that, and you know did that on a Fox sitcom for a while. But I then on the Hard Times of R.J. Berger, which I don't know if that's your listeners, uh, if you're the, that demographic. But that I was a nymphomaniac. I was a swinging, swinging mom. That was one of those shows that got great, uh, got really good critical claim, but no. it just, I know I thought a lot of people liked it. No. I see, because I had read good things about it. Did you? Yeah. I could not find one. Really? I had a publicist who was like, I, nobody I, I, was interested. I watched it because I heard it was, it was a, a well-written show and it was funny. Yeah. And I think it got better and better. And I think, you know what I heard from an MTV executive, they didn't pick it up for its third season. And then Microsoft, like Xbox came to them or one of these streaming, like and they said, it's our number one show. Where's the third season? Like all these dudes, that specific demographic that MTV wanted, they were all getting it, but they were getting, you know, they were watching it after its initial airing, they were watching, they were streaming it in through their Xbox, I guess, or whatever. So I guess it was Microsoft Xbox, right? Am I right? It was somebody coming to them and saying, that's our number one show for streaming. Where's your third season? And this executive admitted that they should have picked it up for a third season. They just kind of didn't know where they were going or what they were doing. And, you know, they, they were still such a girl channel with the teen mom and all that. Um, and they had done the OC and all that, right? They were trying to get boys in, and they did get them in, but just kind of after the fact. They got them in after the initial airing. It's just it's so crazy how this business works. Oh, and it's it, and know, it's weirder and weirder. And when you sit there and, and you know you hear that after, like, oh wait, no, we they won another third season. It's for you as a, it, it must infuriate you sometimes because I like, loved doing that show because you like I yeah, loved it. It looked fun and it, it just, was a lot of fun. It must just get you crazy because you're it's sitting there. It's such a crapshoot. And it's just, it's nuts like that. So now, now you've also did some Hollywood squares. I did when I was doing both Spin City and Daily Show. When I was busy enough doing that, they'd fly me out and do, and uh, I did, you know, you'd shoot a couple in a weekend. You'd shoot a couple of, you'd shoot 
one week per day or something like that. And you shoot for two days. It was crazy because here's the thing. Whoopi didn't like to fly. So she, they crammed them in for her so she wouldn't have to spend a lot of time. Or she didn't like L.A. and she didn't, she didn't like to fly. I don't know. But they basically crammed it in. So you'd sit there and you'd go all day long. And by the end of it, you know, you'd stop for a nice lunch, which is always nice for when the big budget shows. You have the right. nice catering. <laughs> it's always lovely. <laughs> Never got that at the Daily Show. Um, but uh, and then you'd cram a couple more shows in. You would change your outfits. Um, and I did do that. And that was a lot of fun. But I remember one, it's again, so weird. I knew they really liked me. And then there was one interaction with one contestant where somebody said it looked like he and I were in cahoots. Cahoots. Like, I can't even remember why. I can barely remember what what interaction we had where it looked like I was giving him the answer. And there was a flirtation going. I remember someone said, get a room, you two. And uh, so the contestant and I was one of the squares. So. So that it looked like I was being, like I was cheating somehow. Like I was giving this guy, in. I I have no idea. But I was never asked back after that. See, that's so. Uh, Although it didn't last long after that. So yeah, who knows? It's just, who knows? It's, it's so, it's people are just so, like, in, in all honesty, okay, you're a successful actor. Okay. Well, I act. No, well, you're, <laughs> you, you've had a good career. I mean, I and do, you're, okay. you're on that show. Like, like you're going to actually sit there and go, oh, okay, I'm going to just. Some guy who's a contestant who, I mean, it makes no sense because there's such a screening process for those contestants. It's oh, like, yeah. Oh, yeah, they're cheating. It's not like it's not like that quiz show, that movie, you know, years ago. Right. Like, no, no, like, it's Hollywood Square, first of all, yeah, where mean, you're, you know, you're just trying to riff and joke anyways. It was a little random. I can't remember. And again, who knows if that was it? There's so many, there's so much you can't figure out. You can't figure out like. Was I too old? Was it because of my looks? Was it because of my, te- was it because of, was it because they wanted a brunette? Was it because, you know, why was I rejected for that? Why there's so much rejection and there's so much like left turns and there's so much like, you know, you think you've got this job and that goes away, but then you've got something over here, you know, that you, you can't even, I've tried to give up figuring it out. You can't. Now, now you've also done a lot of commercials. Yeah. So now, when did you start? When did that start going? Did you? Well, that start when I came out here. The Daily Show stopped. Spin City. I mean, I left the Daily Show. That was still going in New York. I came out here. Spin City stopped, and I was like, I need to make some money. So I started going out for commercials. And you know what's interesting is that there are some people who do a million commercials. Regan Burns is one of them. Who's very everyman. He, he can be the dad. He can be the guy in the suit. He can be the you know he can just be everyman. And he does. I, a jillion. Well, that's funny. I was actually doing some background work on, uh-huh. on a show, Code Black, that's coming out. Uh-huh. And I'm in the makeup thing, and they're doing something to my foot. And then it was Regan, and he's he's in makeup, face makeup, and because he was the, the guest star. Uh-huh. And I was like, well, wait a second. you know, It was just weird to see him, because he's like, I know you. I go, yeah. And I, for a second, I didn't notice, because he had all this crap over his face. Yeah. But it was him. But that's just the thing when you say he goes from playing a goofy guy in a commercial. Yes. And then to he a, sort of a the... drama role where he played some guy who was, you know, in a car crash. And what's interesting is that we had apparently done a commercial together years before. But he and I, once I started working with him, I realized I see this guy in every third commercial. But I hadn't noticed as much. What I feel like, other than one director named Joe Pitka, who is this crazy Poseidon-looking old man who was brilliant and won more of those commercial awards than anyone put together and did all of the, you know, Michael Jackson, Pepsi, Madonna, Pepsi, Beyonce, Pepsi, you know, does all the Super Bowl commercials. Just as this, he's kind of retired now. He gave me a lot of jobs when I was first out here. God bless him. Eric Stone Street and I used to work together. He's from Modern Family. And right. I used to work together. And he called his house, which was very near mine, the house that Pitka built. This guy, Joe Pitka, was this director who hired us all the time. And that's when they used to pay more. So that really kept me going. How did it happen? Did you, did he, did you guys hit it off? Did he we, think you he were talented? Found, he, yeah, he thought I was talented. And I managed not to piss him off. Uh, it, it, you know, or or we, or he, I'd piss him off and then he'd apologize. And, they, and I had one ad go, guy go, I've never heard him apologize before. He was a, he was a pretty abusive director. He'd do brilliant work. But you had, and I once asked Eric Stone Street how he was able to manage, especially because, especially Pitka with men. Also, there was a pissing contest. There was like, it's a lion if he smelled blood, you know. And I said to Eric, how do you manage and maneuver around him? And he said, I have a dad love. (laughs) So you really had to know how to kind of 
stay in his circle of actors and I got hired again and again he's now he's since the last thing I did for him was a Super Bowl commercial with Regis Philbin for Pepsi Max when Regis is like I'm back um and it was the last thing Regis has done but you know kind of came out of retirement for it but other than that I don't do a lot of the commer- the type of commercials that I see my colleagues doing where they're just you know they're the neighbor they're the mom they're the I don't do a lot of those I've done a couple where I've been the laughing cow woman the Cascade Kitchen Counselor. I can do those if I'm lucky enough to get them. I do a series where I'm a the spokesperson. Right now, that must be good too because yeah, the Laughing Cow and everyone likes Laughing Cow cheese. Oh sure, it's, I loved it. They never gave me anything for free, but I'd be buying me- it, and people would be like, "Why are you buying Laughing Cow? Don't you advertise for it?" I was like, "Talk to them." So I buy, I buy it still. I love it. It's that weird package, like you you pull it yeah. down what? and then it pulls around. It's sort of like when you when I was a kid and and my fun. mom would have Gouda. And like yeah. you'd have the goo to the red wrapper oh, and you could you pull the unpeel. thing and you unpeel it. And that's sort of the, the laughing cow. And the laughing cow is always a little bit soft. So it's oh, good. Sure. Like you don't Spread break the on. cracker, you put it on. Yeah. So now you probably did, people will really start recognizing you because of that, because it was a big ad campaign. And as you say, so many times people recognize people from TV somewhat more, I mean, from a commercial right. than uh TV show well, especially a specific years. demographic, like the, the, the female, the women who would see me on the, um, you know, the cooking ch- channel or the or TLC, because that's where those, those ads were airing. The Cascade or the Laughing Cow were airing on those. So that was a whole new demographic for me. So I had my daily show people. I was doing a lot of those VH1 things. I had those guys maybe a little younger than the, the daily show people. I When I did RJ Burger, I had those random 20, you know, 20 year old guys, 24 year old guys, late teens. Well, obviously now with the Disney Channel, I've got this whole young and the kids are very loving. That's mostly been really nice just to have kids be like, oh, okay. Well, That's been very sweet. But it's the whole new demographic. It's it's so weird the kids do that because um, a guy who works here, I think he's like an intern or he's from New Zealand, but he's probably I don't know, maybe 17 or 18. I, do you know Lori Allen? Yes, because I, I, she was on, she guested on two of the R.J. Burgers. Right, she played the... So we met there, and she was swinging another, a swinging neighbor, and uh, she's a fantastic talent. Well, yeah. she was on on my show a few I weeks ago, that. and then she was talking to this this kid, and when she did the Pearl from SpongeBob, this kid almost like... Freaked out. Cried, and the girl's like... And these kids are like, you know, they're 17 or 18. You would have think like but one direction grew- walking around. They're like, oh my God, oh my God, we they grew, grew up, up with that, we grew up with that. And it's yeah. just amazing how now, because, you know, when we were growing up, you know, they, they, there was cartoons, but there wasn't, yeah. you know, you'd really, I mean, Zoom, you know, there right. wasn't a lot of kids shows. I mean, that there, no. there's so many different networks and even I- like the Flintstones, we was, as kids, we sort of watched because it was a cartoon, but it was written for adults. You had the Brady Bunch, which lived on. Right. I'm hoping Dog with the Blog lives on like the Brady Bunch. Yes, <laughs> on. Yes. Well, now, that how, would be nice. Now, what is it like when people who are the Laughing Cow people, they recognize you? What do they say? Do they come up to you? And I mean, how is it? Well, this is what's interesting is you get a lot because I, you know, and I also did like a, I remember doing a, I remember one guy on a bus when we were in Mexico and we were driving from the airport to the resort, making me go through every single thing I ever had done. And so at first I went through the big obvious ones, the shows I'd been on for a while, you know, the sitcoms, you know, Spin City, it's a big, you know, have you seen me from this? Have you seen me from that? I went down the list. The final thing I got to was like, oh, I did a Cheez-Its commercial. And he was like, that's it. The Cheez-Its girl. You guys, she's the Cheez-Its girl. I did one (laughs) Cheez-Its commercial. Didn't we air for that long? Or aired for a year or two? freaking out because I was the Cheez-Its girl. But what I've also had, which is interesting, is um, a lot of people going, oh, tell me what you've been in. No, not that. No, not that. Tell me something I would have seen. And you know what my ex-husband told me to say? Uh, tell me everything you've seen, and I'll tell you whether I've been in it. Right. <laughs> because it's just like, it's too hard. <laughs> because they, and they also it's like, no, I wouldn't have ever watched. No, I don't have never even heard of that. Like it starts becoming insulting at some point. Because like I say, as a character actor, you've done all this random stuff. Like, I don't know what you've seen. I know that's the thing. Cause when you, I always look at like when there's IMDB credits and you're one of the people that has the split page, like you have a bunch of regular credits and you have and a bunch the, of self. self. Yeah. And so that's like, cause like you sit there and that's the hardest thing because a lot of times people can't distinguish between, okay, right. well, fictional I, and... I can't, that couldn't have been the girl I saw on the daily show because there would probably, a lot of people would probably go, because she's like a comedian or, you know, this thing right. that, or that right. couldn't have been the girl that was on those, I love the nineties right. because they're just different. 
you know, they're not actors. They probably just think they're like right stand-ups co- or whatever, entertainment pundits somewhere. Yeah, yeah. And so that's. And probably, by the way, I've been a, a political pundit, sort of accidentally right. on CSNBC. They used to call me CSNBC and MSNBC used to call me in all the time. I don't know how, how did that happen? To talk about the Clinton impeachment because I was on the Daily Show and they somehow got confused and thought it was real news. I mean, I have to say, John Stewart did make it real news. But I was also like, I don't know the rules of yeah, presidential how, impeachment. How do you how do you prep for that? Because it's such a different thing. Oh, I prepped. It's CNN. It's I was news. scared. I prepped. I, you know, I tried to prep what I was, you know, and you obviously you in these like roundtable shows, you don't know what's going to be talked about. But I, tr- I at least kind of knew where I was coming from. At least I had a point of view. Um, But yeah, the, 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 the stuff I would have had to have read to have been really knowledgeable about that. Was, you know, I would have had to have gotten done a dissertation. I mean, it was, you know, I'd have to go to grad school to right. know what I was talking about. The rules of presidential impeachment. I know. It's like, but it's so funny that people get misconstrued things. Now, you've also done some voice work. I've done some voice work. Yeah, I've done some. You know, what was nice is that what's nice is when I still get some fans from The Daily Show, like the Family Guy guys calling me in and being like, OK, do some voices here. And then one guy being a fan, enough of a fan who split off and did the voice of Cleveland right. and did the Cleveland show. And he just get, offered me a recurring part on that. So I did a, you know, a southern, uh, you know, real estate age, you know, a southern sort of uptight what, real estate age. Now, do you, do you like the voice work because it makes you stretch? I mean, it, it's because you do have to stretch your voice. I know. Everyone says, you know, I'm no Lori Allen. I, you know, speaking of Pearl from SpongeBob and what is she, Diane from Family Guy. I, and she's got that great husky voice. I... I like doing it, but I don't feel as confident doing it as I do. Like, you give me a sitcom script, and at this point, having done it this many years, I'm like, oh, I could do this cold. Like, I could walk in, and this is a piece of cake. But, and I know what I'm doing. But with voiceover work, I haven't done quite enough of it to know, like, yeah, I hit that. That's right. That, 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 was, that, was, that was gold. Or, like, was that okay? Yeah, I'm still like, was that okay? How did that sound? Was that strong enough? Was I consistent with my accent? Like, I still get... Uh, I, I'm still not confident about my auditions for that. Well, it's funny because as you look at your resume, because I always put the IMDb up, it's like you have the comedies and the, the family guys, and you have CSI Miami. I did CSI and CSI Miami. So, CSI Miami, I got to play like a v- interesting villain. So what's, I mean, that must be something for you that must, because ever, everyone loves to play a villain. I mean, let's get real. That, it's, 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 it's great. Like, in so, CSI, uh, I was an accidental villain. Uh, didn't mean to make any, you know, hurt anyone. I was just trying to get back at an ex-boyfriend in CSI Miami. I didn't mean to kill. I accidentally killed someone, but I was a, I was a shyster. I was a, a con woman, and uh, and I played just a, like a he, a spiritual healer. And so I got to be sort of a spiritual healer, and I got to sort of flirt with the guy, and you know, take his or read his aura. And then, you know, I, as I was being found out as a con woman, I was, you know, tricking them. You know, David Carew, I was being, you know, cuffed and taken, you know, and ambushed, and it was, it was a lot of different fun stuff. Uh, that had been, you know, and then I played I on, you know, without a trace, the woman who's, you know, we can't find my daughter, right? You know, and I have to say. Not quite as fun. Well, I mean, of course. I can't find my daughter. I'm in tears because I can't find my daughter. Not quite as fun. Now, what's that like though when you, I mean, do you feel different when you walk into the uh, the audition room? I know you're a trained actress, but it's, yeah, but I, you it's, know, it's something that's, people different probably see than... you and go, oh, wait a second. It's the laughing cow lady. Or, or it's, it's, it's sometimes the casting director must be like. The casting director's like, you're so, I, I recently did it for Scandal where she's like, you're so funny. And I know these guys like me. I recently auditioned for a, a part in Scandal. It was an interesting part. She said, this part is so interesting and big and like, you know, juicy. And you're so funny. We have to make sure that you're not, you know, Scandal's very dry. Scandal's very, you talk fast and you talk, you talk at one level and it's all, you know, you know what I mean by dry. It's just right. that there's almost a flatness to it. Yeah. And if you see me on Dog with the Blog, you know, you know, I'm all over the place. You know, I'm practically Joanne Worley. So, um, so I had to really take it down. And you know, that's its own art form too. I mean, I, I feel like you know, people say tragedy's easy, comedy's hard, and I feel like in general that's true. But I do have to work at dialing it way back, and I can, but it's not as fun. Now, Dog with the Blog. Yes. When that started three years ago. Yes. Now, now, and it stopped now. Yeah, well, we now, just had our finale. When did, 
when when you were reading for that, that you knew it was a sitcom, did you think, you know, it was a Disney? I mean, when you go into certain things, I mean, you, you don't always I know was, what it is. This is interesting. I was asked to do that. Okay. I had auditioned for a recurring part on a D- Disney XD, which is their boy channel. It's much smaller. For their first sitcom, I had auditioned for the mom there. Again, with like everyone from Mad TV to like all these women I'd auditioned with all over the place. So we're all going out for what's essentially a boring recurring part on a Disney XD sitcom when no one knows what Disney XD is and nobody's seen a sitcom on this channel. So, but I, but the executive producer is a guy from um, Roseanne Frazier, you know, the the second in command is married with children, uh, you know, uh, the John Ritter one, which I forgot, but you know, they've come from this, um, they've come from a lot of quality network sitcom stuff, old school, old school network sitcom, but still great stuff you know, Emmy award-winning stuff. And um, so the writing's not, the writing's funny. There's a lot that's big and broad, but there's also some some adult humor in it and funny humor in it. And, you know, for initially the mom part was a little bit boring. I got to do more and more fun stuff on this, for this two years of this Disney XD sitcom, which then they let go. Okay, fine. In the meanwhile, I was doing R.J. Burger. Is that I'm with the band? I'm with the band, yeah. I had a lot more fun doing... Um, R.J. Berger. Oh, because Regan Burns recurred on I'm in the Band. So what ha- what happened, which was nice, is the executive producer, he's loyal to people he likes. Regan Burns did a, did, um, didn't recur, did a guest star on I'm with the Band. The girl who plays my daughter on Dog with the Blog did a guest star on I'm with the Band. Um, or I'm in the Band, rather. Um, the guy who played the drummer on I'm in the Band voiced the dog on Dog with the Blog. So we all got called back in. We had to audition a lot of us. Um, the guy who played the drummer in I'm in the Band had to audition a lot against a lot of voiceover guys, but then he got nominated for an Emmy against Seth MacFarlane and Seth Green and Harry Shearer and Christopher Guest and these guys. So he did fantastic voice work as this dog. Um, I, because I was, because I had done this work with him, he called me and he said, my manager was like, you should offer this. This is a Disney sitcom. It's at a fraction of her pay, like a small fraction of her pay. This should be an offer. And by the way, I'm like, no, it's okay. I'll go in. I'll go in. I'll audition. Right. And I got a call from the executive producer saying, look, the initial pilot, the mom part is not interesting. We're going to make it interesting. It's going to be good. You're going to like it. You're going to be the dog's nemesis. Come in and do just a chemistry read. We'll just call it a chemistry read with a girl who's going to play your daughter. Just come in and do that for the executives. So I didn't really have to go through all those auditions, you know, where you're doing the initial audition and then the executives have to see you from the studio and then from the network and then they're going to play your tape everywhere. I just did what they're called a chemistry read. I signed all the papers that said I'd get paid practically nothing, uh, not to complain. Uh, But, uh, you know, you you sign your life away before you even get the part, which is interesting, which is just people don't know that. But that's why, like, the friends, you know, they're getting paid, you know, a tiny fraction of what they could be getting paid because the show's doing so well. So they all banded together and said, you guys have to pay us for our worth. Right. And, you know, and when you band together like that, then, you know, and then they started getting more and more and more until they got crazy money. But what you do is when you're a starving actor, you say, yeah, you can you can pay me just a couple hundred bucks, you know, or whatever right. it is uh, when you want that job so badly. Like, yeah, I'll agree to it. And that's why you've got an agent to fight for you or a manager to fight for you. But so then I ended up getting that part and that ended up true to what the executive producer had promised it ended up being a really fun mom role. And there's not a lot of fun mom roles. R.J. Berger was a fun mom role. But if you look at TV, if you look at sitcoms, generally moms are the ones who roll their eyes or scold or try to keep everyone in line or, you know, whatever it is, but don't get to be the crazy ones. Which is funny because, well, it's so funny because, yeah, you're right about that. But And the guys are the... The, the know, guys are the crazy ones. Right. But which is funny is clowns. on commercials, it's usually the guys who are the stupid ones. The stupid ones. And the women are like, I'm right. I mean, it's just weird. Well, how the, it, the whole thing with the with the guys being the stupid or the clowns or the buffoons and women just being the ones who have their hands on their hips, sort of rolling their eyes. That's fine. I'm happy to do it. You pay me money to do it. I'm happy to do it. But I had a lot more fun getting to be a clown myself. Now, what's it? I mean, it's, it's so kids are so ravenous towards TV. They're, they're just, I mean, well, people watch. ate up dog with the blog. Exactly. Really nice. What would, I mean, that must change you. As you said earlier, you know, people know you from this and this and this. Well, kids are a different kind of mm-hmm. fan. Like someone was on the show and they were in a kid show Yeah. and you'll be somewhere. And like, 
he was at a mall and this little kid's like that oh, it was uh it was uh Stephen Glickman uh who was on oh, right. Big Time Rush. Oh yeah yeah. He so said, he's they love him. Right? Some kid saw him like at a C's candy and he's like that's the guy and then he's like running in the mall. Hey the guy and it just it's and not the, like and it's a mob scene. Yeah cuz like adults were like eh you know, yeah, they're yeah, waiting in line someone... with him at Seas Candy. They yeah. don't want to know. I mean, I recognize him. We've said hi to each other, right. but I'm not going to freak out and Seas Candy. But the kids do. They freak, yeah, like, freak out. Like for you, because you know you have sort of a fun character and it's a popular show. I mean, how does it happen? I mean, what are some weird things that happen to you? And also, because you have children, you must be like the coolest mom because their mom is on a kids show. I do think it got my, because my son's 10, I do think it gave him some cred at school, some street cred. Um, and uh, and at the first year I brought the dog to school, they were doing a sort of a, an awareness about rescue animals and, and being kind to animals, a humane treatment of animals thing. And I brought the dog, who's a rescue animal. I mean, he was found close to death, like in Runyon Canyon, which, you know, was a is a area around here that's kind of deserty and you know walking and you're yeah so they they found him there nursed him back to health he became the star of the show but he's a rescue so it he came and we you know talked about rescue animals and you know don't shop adopt and all of that stuff and so that was a huge treat for this little school that my son goes to um but what's interesting is that i wear my kind of i just have a glasses which i don't wear on the show i've been wearing glasses for the last few years and i have them a little tinted because fluorescent lights bother me and give me migraines. So they're a little, so a little Robert Evans. I got a little bit of a hiding behind the glasses thing. And if I don't, you know, if I got my hair up or whatever, I don't get recognized until people hear my voice or hear my laugh. And so if it's at a restaurant, then you'll start getting, if you've got somebody taking a picture, then you'll get another, somebody else taking a picture. Sometimes that happens. Uh, I've had it at the mall where you'll start hearing like a clitter clatter of feet around you and you'll start hearing the buzz. Like I'm now can hear, I'm aware of the buzz without even turning around to look at it. And it doesn't happen a lot. Most of the time I'm just walking around. But there's the bu- there's the buzz and the pointing and the looking. What do you, you mean know, the buzz? Just start, people start. You, you oh, girls, that's little that's girls that's will that's start that's being okay. like, oh my God, this is not the earth. You start being like, oh, that's Alan. That's mom. That's mom. And uh, one time I sort of escaped into the Banana Republic and they followed me in. And then I had to, you know, do a picture with, it was probably about eight of them. I had to do a picture with, I thought I could escape to the adult store, right. the Banana Republic. No, nope, <laughs> no, nope, they followed me in. Um, but what's been interesting, and it's going to stop, unfortunately, um, is that the, uh, the by the second season of the show, they figure at Disney, the show's been on long enough. And they know, it's true, that when you go to Disney, if you have to wait in line with kids at Disney, it'll start. And they won't let you. It's happened. Uh, like when I was in New York, I was actually on the subway and uh, out to JFK. And a guy would not stop talking to me, a grown man. Wouldn't because his kid loved the show. He, he loved the show. They, they don't, they don't, they feel like they know you. They want to keep talking. So what happens in line is not only could it be a mob scene, but it could just be like a couple people who won't really leave you alone with your kids, which happens to stars all the time. So I shouldn't complain. It just happens occasionally to me. But what we get in our second two seasons on the Disney Channel is we get guides. We get tour guides to take us to the front of the line, which well, is very cush. Well, yeah, yeah, you should. I mean, why not? You know, you yeah. if you have to deal it's gonna, with... It's going to go away, but as, for but now it's been really nice. As long really as you nice. dealt with the people, but also let you guys go to the front of the line. I, I don't yeah, like because that. otherwise you are in line for 45 minutes to an hour to whatever it is with people not really letting you alone. And I have to say that my son uh, doesn't love it. If it what? goes on too long, he doesn't love it. Well, yeah, because it's like I'm he's here with shy, mom. and yeah. he's here with mom, and you know it's weird on some level. I think now, how does it affect how you tweet? Because you probably have a lot of kids. Oh, I have to be cleaner. Yeah, because I know a guy. Uh, his name's Gino Sagers. He was on Three Kings or some like show. I don't know. It was it was on Disney. Yeah. Oh, the, right, 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 right. Yeah, that was on Disney XD. I think. And he wasn't was it? Yeah, yeah, he was the big. He was the big. Uh, guy who lived on the island. Yeah, and that he, was Disney. That was like the second sitcom okay. at Disney that did better than I'm in the band. He couldn't. Yes. He didn't follow anybody on Twitter because he said I can't. He goes, I can't. I can only tweet to pretty much to kids. I can't. I can't. No, you know. And he goes, I can't follow you because you put some crap up there sometimes. You know. That's oh, and funny. they're gonna see. I but never he, worried about that. It's just for the kids. Like I guess you know, it's because kids see it because a lot of kids follow. What's that like I mean, when you get kids requests? It must be odd because you know. I mean, it, what it's. Well, there's a couple of things. Uh, initially, I put up in the early days when I was first on there, I still had people following me on Twitter who were like people I knew from the comedy world. So, you know, I still wanted to have some comedy cred. I've long ago given up on that. And, you you know, you can't because I tried to straddle it. So I put up a piece I'd done on 
Funny or Die when it first went up called Naked Nurser. And it's about like getting naked and breastfeeding in a restaurant. And it's and it's. And you know what's interesting about it was both like La Leche League, which are the hardcore like breastfeeding Nazis, and then people who are like, oh, breastfeeding, that's gross. Everyone liked it because it it sort of makes fun of the whole thing on both sides and that it's such a drama. So I put that up and was met with a lot of disapproval because these kids can get really disapproving. They can get really, um, you know, I haven't said on on any of my social media that my husband and I have split because I don't want to be disapproved of. Right. There's a lot of, the, interestingly, there's a lot of things in the name of Christianity where it's almost kind of nasty in terms of the judgment. And um, I have a picture up as my social media picture by a fantastic photographer who's like a, a really respected, you know, artist as a photographer. His name's Tyler Shields. He's a young guy, very respected. He's done a lot of kind of interesting, famous young people. That's my picture, and I did it when I was doing the hard times of R.J. Berger. So I, it's sexy. It's a sexy pick. It's sexy mom, because that's what I was doing in R.J. Berger. But I have that up as my social media pick because I love it. And I've had people say, how dare you? I said, on the Disney Channel, put that picture up. That's completely inappropriate. You know, and, and it's not, I say completely inappropriate. It's not that. It's kids. It's not the mothers. It's not adults. It's kids being you know, judgy wudgy was a bear. That's crazy. That's <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Being Judge Judy on me. That's nuts. Getting all Judge Judy. So I have, I feel like oh, I got to watch it. I got to put up the very safe sort of positive, you know, the sort of inspirational positive messages. That's a good thing. You know, this show's ending now, so right. I can loosen up a little bit. It's been a lot about the show because those are the followers I have. The, the majority of the followers I have, they want to know about the show. They want pictures of us from the show. They want, you know, or mom humor or family humor or just, I actually do try to spread some messages to young girls. I mean, I do try to tweet about anything I'm doing with charity. I do try to spread some good messages. It is nice to have that platform. I have to say that. I don't want to complain too much because I do have a platform where I can get the good word out. Right. And it's not just about how many followers I have, but rather like, you know, giving, you know, on, you know, the you know sort of the day where you wear purple for it's kind of like gay pride young you know it's called spirit day um you know i can i can wear purple and take a picture in support of you know lgbt you know youth um btq now questioning is the last one i can i can talk about um you know in suicide prevention i can talk about you know uh like a girl with hashtag like a girl remember that super bowl commercial yeah. i can, i did a lot about that because i really wanted to empower young girls and this is this is our audience you know and i know about that i know how hard it is to be a young girl and a tween and a preteen and be in junior high and high school it's brutal it's brutal it's about as brutal especially now in the age of social media where you know it hurts so much when they say ugly old right you know, just uh, yeah. Why would you put that picture up? You look nasty. Whatever it is, or my, or my, that my son would like his hair was. Look at that hair; it's ridiculous. Or it's not, you know, like when you're insulting my children. See, that's that's so uncool. That's like, that's oh like my you're, just, God. you're just awful people. We are wrapping up. We are okay. We're wrapping up. up. I'm a cha- I'm a chatter. Up. No, that's just good. Kathy. If people come in and always go, wait, that was an hour. They go, I know. It seemed like it went an hour. fast. But it went so okay. So now, now on your social media. Yes. What are all your social media? And you have a very nice website, too. Oh, good. That was recently done. So give all your information. Okay. So my website is BethLittleFord.com. That's easy. And then Twitter is easy. It's it's at BethLittleFord. Facebook is easy because it's BethLittleFord, but it's a public page. You don't, you know, it's not like you're my friend. You have to look for me as a public page and you can like me. And that's great because I try to post a lot of stuff, Um, be it inspirational or funny or dog with a bloggy or whatever. Or what I'm do if I'm doing anything else, if I'm going to be outperforming spoken word, let's say, doing your podcast, doing, you know, emceeing a gig, you know, a charity gig. Um, and then, uh, interestingly, at Instagram, someone stole my Twitter name, but I got it back. But someone took my Instagram name. So I'm at Beth Little Ford Official on Instagram. Well, I want to thank you for coming on. I'm glad you, you. I'm glad you tweeted me. And so people follow her on all her things. Also, follow me on Twitter. I'm at Cooper Talk. That's at Cooper Talk. Or Twitter. Uh, I'm, I'm at Cooper Talk. On Instagram, I'm at Cooper Talk One because I guess there's another Cooper Talk, which makes no sense. Uh, Facebook, I have, I started one of those fan pages. I don't update it. You can find me on Facebook, just Steve Cooper. There's a picture. I don't, I don't even know what my picture is of me right now, but it's the Cooper Talk logo behind the back. And uh, so you do that. And also, don't forget my other website, StopTheSalt.com. As you know, when I went through my uh, heart problem a few years ago, I had to change my diet. So StopTheSalt.com is 120, 120 easy recipes. Very. No pictures intimidate you. 
no long list of ingredients. You know, if you don't have cumin, don't worry. I'm not putting cumin in any of the recipes. So you can go there, go to stopthesalt.com and get it there. You can also go to Amazon or Barnes and Noble and it's going to be the same price. But you know what? I make more money at stopthesalt.com and I will sign it to you. So do that. And also email me at cooper at coopertalk.net. I have over 200, no, over, I'm losing my mind. Over 425 episodes up on my website. Go check that out. So check out Beth Litterford. Let- Littleford. I can't even talk. It's it. hard. Littleford is what I, people say. I say Littleford. Steve Cooper, I'm only as hip as my guest. Don't forget, have a great weekend. I will talk to you next week. Thank you.